Um, and those that think that they're on their way to Sunday school and get here in time for snack time will be surprised. Um, let's read James chapter 3 together. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which although they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth the fountain send forth at the same place sweet and bitter, sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either of vine, figs? So can no fountain both yield salt, water, and fresh. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not, and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful today for your word. We're thankful for the words of James, who calls us out on those of us who say we have faith, that we should be demonstrative of that faith by what we do and what we say, and that what we say should be true and that we should not lie. And Father, I pray that you would help us to understand more about the ninth commandment today. Help us to be able to apply its truths more fully, not to others, to ourselves. Not in judgment of others, but in judgment of ourselves. 
that we may be stewards found worthy by you, who is our judge and the judge of all the earth. Help us, Lord, today. Admonish us, exhort us, encourage us by the opening of your word and the ministry of your spirit because of Christ. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. There is an old saying, and I'm sure most, if not all of you, have heard it. It is better to be silent and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and to remove all doubt. (laughs) When it comes to lying, as we begin to look at the Ninth Commandment, or bearing false witness, or using as... James talks about the tongue as part of our bodies, as part, it's a member that's it's out of control. Other parts of our body, if they were out of control, would cause immediate death. If our lungs didn't work, we would die. If our hearts didn't work, we would die. But our tongue can be a member, part of us, that can, it can operate both in a good way and a bad way. And James uses some plain and easy-to-be-understood illustrations when he says, can a fig tree yield different anything other than figs? Well, of course not. Can a freshwater fountain flow with salt water? Of course not. And he's showing the dichotomy, the the difference between a tongue that could be so marvelous in its praises of God, be used as encouragement, of exhortation, and, and yea, even in preaching, the tongue is the instrument that is used. But that same instrument, that same tongue, what James says, it's unruly. It's not disciplined. It's not tamed. He says that all the animals, all the creatures of creation are tamed. Man has, has, has brought under all of creation. But in his own head, in his own mouth, his tongue and her tongue is out of control. We're going to be looking at this Ninth commandment, and the opposite of a lie or bearing false witness is obviously, what would be the opposite of a lie? Truth. And the rhetorical question that those who do not know Christ, who ha- that they have been asking throughout all the ages, what is truth? In this day and age, we have Many people, and you probably hear it in your workplace all the time, well, that's your truth, I have my truth, you have your truth, and let's, why can't we all just have our own truths, and you respect my truth, and most of the time they won't respect your truth when they're saying that. But I, we can hearken back to the trial of Christ when he stood before Pilate, and Pilate said in John 18:38, Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? 
And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and saith unto them, I find no fault at him, no fault at all. Imagine Pilate with Jesus standing right in front of him, saying to Jesus, what is truth? Jesus is the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. What a picture, what an illustration, what is truth being asked by Pilate and truth was standing feet away from him. Things have not changed. People still in the face of the knowledge of the scripture and the knowledge of right and wrong and the knowledge of even the Ten Commandments will still say, what is truth? And discard the very words of God that are our our guide, that are immutable. God's words don't change. His Ten Commandments, as we have been seeing over the course of the last several weeks, are more than just don't lie, don't steal, don't covet, because they cover everything that's included in love God and love neighbor. They are short in their uh, in, in their in their length of words, but the profundity of their meaning and their application cannot be discovered. And in my study this week uh, for uh, this lesson, I've been greatly blessed and me that he would share some of those with all of us through his spirit. The key thought, and, and you, know, I'm, I, you know, hopefully this key thought encompasses everything that I want to cover today, but I, I wrote this down. The Ninth Commandment condemns communicating falsehoods in word or in silence. Let me just say that again. The Ninth Commandment condemns communicating falsehoods in word or in silence. And by implication, the Ninth Commandment promotes the telling of truth in all circumstances. So we can lie in our words. We can lie in our absence of words. And we can displease God by remaining silent and not promoting the truth when given the opportunity to do so. There are different types of lies, and we'll talk about some of them. There is, as I said, this is an exhaustive topic. There are, you could lie through deceit, of course. That's the obvious one. You're not telling the truth. You're deceiving. You can lie through flattery. Your lying or telling of a tale can be manipulative. Look at... uh, Question 128. Question 128. And it comes from Exodus chapter 20, verse 16. What is the ninth commandment, everybody? You shall not bear false witness against your brother. Amen. And let's take a look at question 129. And 
Please read the answer after I read the question. What does the ninth commandment require? as the proper works of the devil, or I will stir up against me the most grievous wrath of God. In judgments and other affairs, as much as in me lies the good name and estimation of others. In Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19, it says, In the multitude of words there wanteth not sin, meaning there, there is sin there, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. And I think before we go into any portion of discussing what this actually means, what we're going to be talking about today, I think we, uh, first of all, need to realize that we should be conscious that we have a tendency to, to when we speak, uh, and the, when we have, the more that we speak, the more likely we're going to say things that are not wise, and that the more that there is a likelihood that we will distort the truth and lie. So it is important that, that we consider as an overarching theme as we move forward in this, this looking at the ninth commandment, that we consider how we use our words, how we use our tongue, and that we would ask God to give us wisdom in doing that. Um, the Bible says, the fool utters all his mind, but the wise man keeps it in until afterward. Whenever someone gives an opinion about something, what's the first thing we want to do? We want to give our opinion. And those who agree with our opinion are wise, and those who don't are not wise. I've just read the book of Job, I think this last week. And Job would say something, and his friends just couldn't hold back. you got to give them some credit. They held back for seven whole days. Just looking at their friend, his body was emaciated, his children were dead, all of his possessions were gone. He was groaning and he was speaking his complaint. And then they felt the absolute need to correct him. They spoke with their lips and gave the wisdom that they thought was from God. But was it? There were certainly some things that were applicable. But And then when they got done and Job gave answers to all of them. The young guy had to open up. And by the way, if you're young in here, uh, you may, you know, I, I think those of us who are older, we sometimes think that we are overwise and we can give our opinion more readily and that may be wrong, but I think some of you who are younger, and I was young and I am now old, but when I was younger, the tendency would be, oh, I, I just have to speak my mind. And I think his name was Elihu was at the end of uh, Job, he just had, to, and he went on for like three or four chapters. Just let me tell you this, and you old guys, you don't know, and Job, you're an idiot. Let me tell you the way it is. And then finally, God, who was watching the whole thing in, in, you know, from heaven, 
said, all right, I've had enough. And then God comes in. But we should seek very carefully and with all our minds and hearts and souls before we speak what is truth. And ask yourself if the, what you're about to say, is it true? Is what you're about to convey, is it true or is it nuanced? Ask yourself, are the, the motives for what you are about to say pure or are the motives about what you are about to say in order to win somebody over to your side? Or are they impure? Are you trying to win an argument? What is truth? Is it true? Should I speak? But let's take a look at, before we get into the actual um, looking at the ninth commandment, let's talk about some terms. What is a false witness? Anybody? What is a false witness? It's a lie. Give me a little bit more. What is bearing false witness? A fake truth. Lying about what was said or seen. If, if, you know, it's, so if somebody says something uh, and uh, you are witnessing it, you may, you may be not even a witness. You may not have even seen or heard anything, but you're just making it up. That's a false witness. Lying about what was said or seen or heard. What is falsifying? Say it one more time. Put down incorrect information, like maybe doing taxes, something like that. Um, uh, of accusing another of lying when they communicate what was seen or said. What's a backbiting? What does that mean? What is backbiting? We have these intuitive, you know, we think we know what we mean, but what does backbiting mean? You know what it means, put it in words. Gossip? How about this? To speak evil against, uh, 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 to speak evil of the absent. To speak evil of the absent. And what is a reproach? To, a reproach is to charge with a fault in severe language. Now, sometimes a reproach is necessary. But sometimes, when you charge someone falsely to charge them uh, with a fault or severe language. And I think these terms, as we look at the, the answer, uh, will come in handy, the answer that we just read. So the first thing we'll take a look at is don't lie about what you've said or done. The most obvious story that I could think of from the Bible, and I always like when I'm looking for illustrations about a truth in the Bible, I think the best place to go is to the Bible because most times there is some, there's some story that illustrates exactly the truth that God is trying to teach us when he says, don't lie, um, uh, you shall not bear false witness. Who, the, 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 uh, the poster children for bearing false witness in the Bible, I think, in the New Testament especially, is Ananias, are Ananias and Sapphira. 
Don't lie about what you have done or said. So they had a piece of property. They sold that property and they decided we're not going to give the whole amount. And Peter said, why has Satan filled thy heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep, to keep back part of the price of the land? And Peter went on to say, when it was yours, you could do whatever you want with it. But you chose to lie. You chose to deceive. And not only did you lie, there, there's a twofold punishment for them. They had lied not only to men, but they lied to God. And P Peter called them out about it, and then we see an immediate punishment. Um, and in here, uh, in, uh, right after D, against me, the most grievous wrath of God. When we lie, when we don't tell the truth, when we manipulate, when we deceive, when we do those things, we are, we are, uh, we are hurting our brothers, we are hurting our neighbors, we are deceiving them, but we are also inviting God's wrath on us. And there is no fear of God in us if we think that we can lie and, and, be, and, and it'll be done in a vacuum and there will be no consequences. Lies always have consequences. And in the case of Ananias and Sapphira, their public display of their bold lie brought immediate condemnation from Peter and the Holy Ghost. Don't lie about what others have done or said. In the trial of Jesus... We see in Matthew chapter 26, verses uh, 59 and 60. Now the chief priest and the elders and all the council sought false witness against Jesus. Now here's just an interesting, an interesting thing in the word of God. It says that these chief priests, these religious leaders who were supposed to be exuding and exemplifying righteousness before God and the elders leaders of God's people and all the council. Again, these are all Jews who were charged with leading God's people. What did they want? They wanted false witnesses. It didn't say they were looking for witnesses. They were looking particularly for false witnesses. They wanted somebody to set Jesus up. They were not truth seekers. They already had an expected outcome. And when Jesus came before them, it was a kangaroo court. They had set it up. And even in that, there is confusion that their witnesses, their testimony would not agree. Pilate was unconvinced. But these religious leaders sought false witness against Jesus to put him to death. They wanted to put him to death. We need to get some people to say the right thing so that we are justified in our actions in putting him to death. How horrible. Do we ever lie in order to get our own way and manipulate our own things in order to get an outcome that we want to have? Now, we're not, hopefully not trying to put somebody to death, but, you know, if I say this a certain way, I know that I will get the thing that I want to get or have the outcome that I want to have. If I can get that person to say X, then I know that everyone else will be deceived. It's something to consider. 
But they found none in verse 60. They sought false witnesses, but they found none. Isn't that amazing? Yea, though many false witnesses came, yet they found none. And at the last, they, they, two false witnesses came talking about Jesus said he would destroy the temple and raise it up in three days, and you know the story. Don't lie about what others have said or done. Don't be a false witness. Don't jump on somebody's bandwagon when they ask you, hey, didn't you say this or didn't you say that or why don't we do, how did this, you know, be careful when somebody asks you to give testimony. Be careful when somebody asks you to jump on their, their bandwagon. Um, in the case of the Pharisees, in the case of the chief priests and the elders and the council, their motives were impure. Their outcome was predetermined. Do not be a pawn in someone else's chess game. Be careful. There's also deceiving others. Manipulation is a distortion of the truth in order to affect an outcome. And I always get, a, I think I use the right word, effect, instead of affect. All you English teachers and majors and people that understand grammar way better than I. I didn't say way better than me. I think effect is the correct word. Manipulation is a distortion of the truth in order to affect an outcome. Again, where do you find the best illustrations about a truth in the Bible? You go to the Bible. Who distort? What is the great distortion? of truth in all the word of God in all of time in all of history it's the devil himself in Genesis chapter 2 verse 16 and 17 the Lord commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it for in the day thou eatest of it that thereof in the day thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die so what was the name of the tree? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's what Satan's going to grab hold of. God linked the tree of the knowledge of good and evil to if you eat it, you will die. And Satan flipped it. He manipulated the truth to his own end to deceive Eve. And the serpent said in Genesis chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Is that entirely false, what the devil said? No. It wasn't. Was it a manipulation and a lie? Yes. The truth is, when Eve ate it, ate of the fruit, she, her understanding would be opened. She would have a knowledge of good and evil that she and Adam, before in their innocence, had no understanding of which they had no understanding. I almost put a preposition at the end of that sentence. 
I know a little, but not a lot about grammar. God had a cause and effect. Here's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat of it, because in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. He wasn't saying that. I mean, in the very name of the tree, it was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, look, there's some knowledge of good and evil here. Don't touch it. You'll die if you eat it. And Satan said, look, he's just trying to trick you. If you, if you really want to know stuff, you got to do this thing. And you won't die. What a great manipulation. Satan is the father of lies. It's his, one of his core key characteristics. It's who he is. And he took the lie in order to manipulate all of mankind to his purpose in his challenge in his fist raised against God and Eve and Adam fell and we today many thousands of years later are still under that curse of death we have the knowledge of good and evil Adam and Eve hid themselves, they covered themselves, and all of mankind, we hide ourselves from God, we cover ourselves from God, but God, through his mercy, sent Jesus Christ to die for us, opened our eyes that we may see, and we have repent, we're, we're able to repent and turn to Christ. Deceiving in order to manipulate to an end is another thing that Paul was dealing with in Galatians. There were those who wanted to bring the Galatians back under the yoke of the law to make them slaves to what could, the, the law that could only kill. The law brought death. The law did not bring life. In Hebrews it says that if there was a law that could have been written, that could have forgiven men of their sins, then there would never need to have been the perfect sacrifice, Jesus Christ. But these deceivers in Galatia, in order to get the people to do what they thought that they should do, they deceived them. And what did Paul say in verses 6 through 10? I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Says I'm, you're being. I'm, I'm. I just marvel at that. What does it mean to marvel? Like, you look at something and you're like, I, I can't believe it. I, I don't understand. How in the world with what you've been given and what you understand, I'm just in awe that you're so soon removed from Him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. But you know what? If you take a step back. If you look at the history of, of the Israelites, when God delivered them from the hand of the Egyptians, they get out into the wilderness. The first thing they do is they start complaining. They build idols. They gave Moses and Joshua a hard time. And then in the judges, every man did that which is right in his own eyes. 
I think Paul was being, he was using some uh, rhetorical license here because I think if we pressed him, we would say, Paul, are you sure that you really marvel that people would turn back to sin and to be deceived? Do you really marvel at that? But he goes on to say, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you. These are the manipulators and that would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which ye have re- that we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Again, in the answer to the question that we looked at before, that he says that you know, doing these deceits will stir up against me or us the most grievous wrath of God. Let him be accursed, as we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? If, for if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Do you see the linkage there? It's pleasing God or pleasing men. Are you going to go after the ear ticklers, the flatterers, or are you going to follow hard after Christ and God and his word? You, that question is applicable, very applicable, to each and every one of us in the different circumstances and, and, and of our lives. Each one of us have to decide, are we going to go after the way of man? Are we going to be be, uh, part of the zeitgeist, the spirit of the age? Or are we going to please God? If we decide, and I think what Paul is alluding to, or definitely there's a connection between what Paul is saying here, if we decide that we are going to Um, have fear of man, then it will inevitably lead to lying to ourselves, to others, and to manipulation and to distortion of the truth. Paul's saying, I'm not going to do that. If anybody preaches any other thing that I preach, then let him be accursed. We should always ask ourselves, remember I said earlier, what is the truth? We should then say to ourselves, stand on the truth. And we should say, speak no lie and speak the truth. Flattery, beware the flatterer. <laughs> I love when somebody says, you know, great job. Oh, that was wonderful. That was insightful. I'm like, yeah, that, that was wonderful. Whatever it is that I did, oh, yeah, I, I, that was insightful. I really do enjoy when people come up and tell me, and I always ask my wife after I preach or pray or anything, how was that? And she tells me the truth. Sometimes, if, if I do a bad job, I won't ask her. Because, but if I, did, if I think I did a good job, I'll be like, how was that? And she'll be like, hmm. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> she just doesn't understand. We are drawn to those who flatter us. I mean, don't we deserve it? Aren't we as wonderful as we think we are? But in Proverbs, there's a lot of, there's a few things that, that 
Solomon has to say about flattery. Of course, the strange woman, the illicit woman who is trying to seduce a man in Proverbs chapter 2, verse 16, um, Solomon is saying you should get wisdom, you should get knowledge and follow those knowledge, follow that knowledge, follow that instruction. In Proverbs 2, 16, it's that knowledge, that wisdom, that instruction to, will deliver you from the strange woman, even from the stranger with flattereth with her words. Guys, watch out for that, that gal at work that may be just kind of cozying up to you and telling you what a great, smart leader you are. What? Yeah. Girls, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a girl, so I don't know, but I mean, if there's, if there's some, some temptation, some flatterer, some member of the opposite sex that is saying things to you that are attractive to you, beware. Flattery is the first step to really bad sin. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. The manipulator flatters in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 5. A man that flattereth his neighbor spreadeth a, neat, a net for his feet. We walk into, you know, we could walk into flattery and just think, no, everything's fine. This person's my best friend. I, I, everything's going wonderful. He, you know, everything, he, uh, he, he loves me. She loves me. It's all good. And then we're tangled up in the net that was spread before us. We were taken, not by deceit, not by, excuse me, not by, not by an attack. We were taken by over-friendliness, by a lie that is called flattery. Beware of flattering someone. Don't do it. If you give someone a compliment, make sure it's sincere. Not to try to manipulate them to get them to like you or to agree with you or to partner with you or to put some, money, put, to put some capital in, uh, in an emotional bank where you can cash it in at some later time when you need to take a withdrawal. Don't be a flatterer and beware the flatterer. Whatever we do in our lives that is good, it is all a work of grace. And it is all to the glory of God. Taking any of the glory of God, taking anything to yourself when we are flattered diminishes the grace of God on our lives. And receiving flattery for flattery's sake without reflecting it back up to God, removes some of our worship of God and, and removes some of the glory that God wants from our lives. We are nothing. He is everything. Flattery is terrible. I mean, we all like a word of encouragement. We all like it. There's nothing wrong with it. But there is a point where a flatterer is sinful in flattery, and there is a point where the person receiving the flatter is deceived by pride and arrogance and is snared by the net of the flatterer. Beware that. Don't bear false witness against yourself. 
The biggest deception that we see in the Word of God are those who believe they know God but don't. In 1 John, I think John talks much about this. You know, we could talk about in the Gospels, you know, uh, Jesus saying, depart from me, ye cursed, I don't know you. But I wanted to go to 1 John because he seems to say a lot about this and he's talking to Christians. And there may be some people here in this room who believe yourself to be in Christ, but you could be lying to yourself. You could be deceived about that. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Now, if we say that we have, who is he, who's John talking to there? He's talking to the person about lying to themselves. If you say that you have fellowship with him, with, with God, and you walk in darkness, if you're not, if your life doesn't match what you say that you are, then you're lying to yourself. In the whole book of James, I read James 3. James talks about, look, if you have faith, faith doesn't operate in a vacuum. Faith explodes into action, into your life. In John, 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Uh-oh, if the truth is not in us, what is in us? A lie. Chapter 2, verse 4. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar. What? And the truth is not in him. And chapter 4, verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 6. He that saith, he abideth in him, ought himself also to walk, even as he walked. Bible says that we should make our calling and election sure. What a travesty it would be for someone sitting in this room right now to wind up in hell because of self-deception, believing that you were in, but you had never come to a knowledge of the truth through regeneration, faith, and repentance in Christ. Now, I'm not trying to trick you into getting saved again. That's the, that's the danger. I'm not trying to preach you if you know that you're saved into being lost. I'm trying to talk to the person who's sitting here thinking, oh, that's not me. Because I think every real Christian in here, when we hear something like this, we examine ourselves and we're like, yeah, I got, I'm okay. It's the person that's thinking, ah, I don't need to examine myself that way. You're, you may be self-deceived. So I'm going to take a few minutes now. I was worried that I wasn't going to have enough time, but I, apparently I do. Excuse me. I said that backwards. And I say things backwards all the time. As I get older and older, I'm telling you, it's terrible. What I meant to say was, I thought I was going to be done really early, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to be pressed for time. <laughs> I mix up people's names all the time. It's just terrible. It's just terrible. 
We, the, if we're not to lie, that's the negative. What's the positive? The positive is we must be truth tellers. And this is the most convicting part. It's easy to say don't lie, don't, don't manipulate, don't, don't be a flatterer. Okay, I could work on those things. But do you know what the most difficult thing is? Is to be a truth teller. Failure to communicate the truth leads to apostasy. In Isaiah chapter 59, verse 14, and judgment is turned away backward. Isaiah says judgment is, is like, we, you know, God, the, the way that this theocracy here in Israel and in Judah is supposed to be going, it's 180 degrees out. Why? Justice standeth afar off, for truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. When truth is absent, apostasy enters. Something will fill the vacuum. Paul's way of ministry was to be bold to proclaim the gospel. In Philippians chapter 1, 20, 21, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What is Paul saying? I will speak and preach the truth. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I don't want to be ashamed. My brother, my sister, we are living in a time where we must examine the situation that God has placed us, in which God has placed us, and be bold for Christ. Not to be ashamed of Christ. It's a thing. We could be bold for Christ here. It's easy. Praise the Lord. Let's sing. Let's pray. Let's worship. But when you're surrounded by homosexuals, transgenders, people who have no concept of the gospel, woke. And these are the people with who, whom you associate because of work, because of the circles that you're traveling in. Are you ashamed? Am I ashamed? Or am I bold to speak the truth? Apostasy enters in, in the vacuum if truth is not there. If truth is absent, apostasy enters. We are the salt and light, but have, have we put our light under the bushel basket? Paul was worried about Timothy, who he loved so much. In, first, in 2 Timothy 1.18, he said, be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to my power. Don't be ashamed. And what's he saying? He's saying, preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. That's what he's telling Timothy. 
Are we instant in our lives, in season and out of season? You don't have to be a preacher to be instant for God, in season and out of season. I'll tell you, when that alarm clock went off an hour early this morning, I was not in season. <laughs> I was out of season. And honestly, before I came up here this morning, I said every day, let's pray. I'm just not with it. And thank God I have a wife that prayed with me. We have been given a charge. You know, I, I don't think most of us here, there are some post-mills here and we, who, who, who believe that we're going to usher in the kingdom age. But those of us who are not, I think we can rest back on our laurels because we know everything is going to go to pot. You know, it's going to blow up. But Jesus has given us a commission regardless of what your eschatology is. He's given us a commission in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And Jesus spake, came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and teach all na nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. It's our commission. It's the truth that we are commanded to teach in a world filled with lies and deception. My last point. Failure to proclaim the truth can make us an accomplice to a lie. Evil triumphs when what? Good men do nothing. Evil triumphs in a church when good men go along to get along. That's when any kind of doctrine, any kind of, any kind of practice can walk in the front door of a church and before you know it, a church can be doing terrible things. Women preachers, uh-oh. accepting of gay marriages and on and on and on and on. Evil triumphs in the church when good men go along to get along. Evil triumphs in the home when husbands and wives are not honest with each other. Not being honest is a lie by silence or by flattery or by deceit. Evil triumphs in the home when husbands and wives aren't honest with each other and little deceits become the seeds of divorce. Evil triumphs when mom and dad are slack. Uh-oh. I'm going to meddling here. This is, we're not teaching, we're not preaching, we're just meddling now when I say this, so get ready. Evil triumphs when mom and dad are slack to perform, proclaim truth to their children, and let them disobey. It's okay. He doesn't mean it. She doesn't mean it. She'll grow out of it. Making excuses for bad behavior instead of taking time to discipline. 
We all have to give an account of ourselves, our words, our actions. You know, when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, all of our words and actions will be come under the scrutiny of God's magnifying glass. This commandment is unbelievably convicting. Yeah, I don't lie. Shall not bear false witness against your brother. Eh, I got it. I won't do that. There is so much here to unpack, and we have just barely scratched the surface. Um, I will, uh, we have time for a few questions. I will turn this around, and I'm going to go to this, okay? That's, I'm going to be honest with you. That's the question I don't want to answer. But I'll give it a shot if you ask me. <laughs> well, I only came up to ask that question. But <laughs> so This well, it sounds like kind of a boomer comment, and there's a lot there, a lot convicting me, but just something with the flattery. Uh, so I'm not a boomer, by the way. Um, a little, yeah. But like social media, almost with the flattery, it's almost like we, and I, from speaking for myself at least, and I'm sure it applies to others, but you're almost casting a net for flattery sometimes, mm -hmm. you know? So it's just something to be, that jumped out yeah, at me. Yeah, do you have any words of wisdom for us about that? Just, I guess, delete all your social media. No, well, <laughs> and obviously that's not it, right? Because I'm thinking of something like, um, Elena, this week, I was happy to see a post about her engagement. I want to see, other, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, but it, it's just, I think, examine yourself. Like, right. early, at the beginning, you were saying when, in terms of giving testimony, it's not that you should never testify to anything, but it's just think about it, be aware of it. I've done lots of things, and I'm not good at it, I'm a, but where I've, I've built a social media post and then just delete it, because mm. it's just kind of, ah, I don't know why I'm doing that. So, And then, obviously, with the deceiving ourselves and the German Catholic Church, I think, just this week, came out to allow homosexual unions or marriages or things like that. So, you know, definitely current events there as well. Yeah, so. yeah, and, 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 you know, so, and w it's always easy to look at other churches, but in our church, we need to be careful, um, you know, that we that we don't um, we we just take take a look at things. We are truth tellers, truth speak the truth in love always. But we should always be truth tellers, even here and in the broader church. You know, be salt and light, sir. Yes, sir. I have two completely unrelated questions, but I'll, okay. I'll just ask both of them and, and leave. One is, what are your thoughts on the missionaries in hostile countries that go there under maybe false pretenses mm -hmm. or somewhat false pretenses, um, which is something I've honestly until today always thought of as in, in a very positive light, but, you know, yeah, there's not, I can't think of any examples of that in the Bible. And then the other one is, uh, I guess, something more of a gray area uh, with the LGBTQ stuff when, you know, obviously it's wrong to call a, a boy a girl or a girl a boy, but what if someone just says, you know, I want you to call me by this other name mm. which is yeah so um, let me just uh, so I think I think that the the question that you ask about missionaries going in under false pretenses comes under the Rahab um, you know umbrella obviously what Rahab did uh, you know sending out the people that were looking for the spies lying to them she was deceitful but 
Um, she was not condemned for that. She is in the line, I believe she's in the line of Christ. Um, so uh, she, she saved her family. She did the right thing. Um, I, I, I think we could probably, probably more time than we have to talk about the ethics of it. But I think in the, to answer your question about the missionaries, whatever those ethics are, that I think we can say are, it was a good outcome for Rahab. She was not disobedient. She was obedient by keeping the spies from being found. Same with those missionaries. With regard to um, the transgenders saying, call me X, Y, or Z, um, the question that we have to answer is, are we telling the truth? If we are not telling the truth, we're bearing false witness. Um, so if, if, if somebody wants to be called Billy and they're really Susie, um, you know, if, if that's bearing false witness, that would be a judgment call that you would have to make, I think, we would all have to make in that situation. If by calling that person what they desire to be called, we are implying uh, that we agree, then I think that's one thing. But if, if they just, you know, if somebody changes their name and they want to be called something like that, I think there's, it's a, it has to be a wisdom issue. I don't know if I helped you. Uh-oh. I want to respond to you. I like this topic because it's, it's hard. Because uh, I, I don't know that I'm convinced on Rahab. She's commended for, she's not commended specifically for lying, but I do have an example of the missionary thing that I thought of. Um, so in Samuel, Samuel, uh, the Lord tells Samuel to go. He's going to, um, you know, uh, find Jesse and get David. And he says, um, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill his son, uh, kill, he will kill his, me. And the Lord says, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord and then invite Jesse to sacrifice and I'll show you what to do. So there's an example where he doesn't lie, but he, he has another reason for going. There's some deception, I guess you could call yeah. it that, or omission. I think, I think a lot of those missionary people, that they do have a secondary task that they're yeah. accomplishing. Yeah. Thank you, uh, Michael. Time. Never for you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yesterday, or I've been reading Little Pilgrim's Progress with my kids, and yesterday we got to the part where little Christian leaves the palace beautiful. He goes into the Valley of Humiliation, and he meets the, sel the soldier self, who is the ruler of um, the City of Destruction. And self is trying to flatter him like if you if you just apologize and come back to me, I'll forgive you. Mm -hmm. But then he starts lying to him. And um, Christian, you know, he holds his ground, but he starts getting attacked with the darts from the enemy as he's getting, ang you know, more and more angry. Um, and he's lying to him. He's saying, you know, you, you've been a terrible soldier for mm -hmm. the king, which is true. Um, and Christian admits it, but he said, I know that the king will forgive me. So it's another thing, you know, we can deceive ourselves in a bad way, but we can also um, lie to ourselves about who God is and where our standing is mm. in Christ. And we need to use the sword the Bible to to fight those lies that the enemy or our flesh would attack us with. So I just Amen. thought that was what a great perspective. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Bell, or you know John Bunyan. Yeah. yeah. Oh. All right. Um, so we are out of time. Hope everybody enjoys their uh, snack. Let's just have a quick word of prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for uh, this morning. We pray that you bless uh, the upcoming service, bless this time of fellowship, and we ask it all in Jesus' name.